In today's episode, we're talking about how to be intentional. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how to be intentional in your marriage, how to be intentional in your relationships with your family and friends, and then how to be intentional in the physical aspect of marriage as well, which I wasn't expecting in this podcast, but it turned out to be some of the most gold information I'd ever received in terms of intimacy in a relationship. And you're not going to want to miss this episode. So I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to the Whole Person Mindset. Today, we are interviewing Dr. Joe Martin. He is an award-winning international best speaker, author, professor, and certified band builder. He helps men win in the areas that matter most as husband, as fathers, as spiritual leaders. And you might be thinking, well, I'm, I'm not a man, so maybe I shouldn't listen to this podcast. Well, just take everything that he's saying and apply it to yourself. He has co-authored and authored over more than nine books, including Man Accomplished or Are You a Man? He's a real spiritual leader. And he has hosted the number one rated Christian men's podcast on Apple with more than 1.9 million downloads, which, by the way, I'm really excited to be a featured guest in the near future of. <laughs> and he is an all-around amazing man. Joe, welcome to the show. How are you? Evan, I'm doing great, man. I got to tell you, as to listen to your introduction, I need to get out of the podcasting business, man, because the way you did that, I'm like, I need to do my show that way. <laughs> I love that. It's <laughs> like I'm coming onto a big stage. and I, I love that. I love that energy, man. So thank you for having me, man. You bet. And uh, I loved how, do you like how I plugged, you know, your next guest sometime soon? Oh, yeah. I caught that. <laughs> <laughs> I caught that. And man, we would love to have you, man. But you got but Evan, you got to get in line, dude. We have so many guests um, who are reaching out to us. But anytime I'm on somebody else's show, that gives them priority. Cause I got I think I gotta do you a solid. So we we'll make some space for you, man. That's funny. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, you know, I just want to jump right into it. You have been developing people and teachers and leaders and men for a very long time. And I think a lot of individuals struggle with being the spiritual leader in the home. And I wanted to get your advice on what do you think that we can do to kind of shift our abilities in our practices or our habits to develop our ability to be more strategic leaders in the house, both spiritually and in the mindset. You know, when you say that you've been doing it for a long time, it was that your slide is trying to say, Joe, you old. That's what, that's what you're trying to Hey, you're bald, <laughs> so you don't look old. You look <laughs> you, thank, you, God, thank God for shavers, I'll tell you that. No, uh, but but really, I, I love the question. Um, and I'm going to make it a short answer because we can always go deeper. But um, one of my um, mentors, spiritual mentors and fathers in the faith when it comes to disciple making, and spiritual leadership that you're talking about, who, when I first launched Real Men Connect, our ministry, our organization, our paraministry, he was a guy who trained other leaders all across the country. His name was um, Jeff Coach Kasaya. We call him Coach K. Um, and Coach K passed in 2019. And he's been on my show at least, probably more than any other guest, at least three or four times, more than any other guest on our show. But he always told me when it came to leadership, he said, how do you do that? Answer your question. He says, you have to be intentional 
mm-hmm. about it. You have to be in order to lead like that, to lead the lead this next generation. We got to be intentional. We can't do it by the seat of our pants. We can't do it by happenstance and coincidence, by accident. We have to do it with an intentionality. And when he meant intentionality, is not that you have to have all the answers, but in the way we lead, lead by example. Um, one of my friends says, he says, the best definition of the word love is saying, I'll go first. And so whether you're leading your family or a business, it doesn't matter. Like you said, we're, you know, I minister to men. I work with men. I coach and disciple men. But this applies to business. It applies to, to females. It applies to anybody. Is that, you know, Gandhi once said that you got to be the change you want to see in the world. And so you have to be the example, not an excuse. When love, when we say love goes first, guess what? Love forgives first. Yeah. Love serves first. Love submits first. Love seeks first. Love humbles themselves first. We go first and we, and coach said, you got to be intentional. And one of the things he taught me in leadership, he says, whenever you, Joe, whenever you're coaching or discipling a man, never leave his presence without a next step. Give him something next to do. Because we as men want to do things. And a lot of times to our fault, we define ourselves, our identity based on what we do. That's why when you get on planes, people ask the first question. They don't ask, what's your name? They ask, um, what do you do? And so men are looking for something to do because we want to win. Because if we can't win, we don't want to play. And so he said, always be intentional by giving them the next step. Don't let them leave that conversation. Wow, here's your next step. Because that's the next step you can hold them accountable to. So leaders lead by being intentional and being an example, not an excuse, and going first. Mm, that is good. You know, as, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about my own life. And I'm thinking about some areas that I struggle in uh, and leading my own family. And, you know, I feel like one of the biggest struggles sometimes is just being present. Like I'm there, but I'm not present. Right. I, I, I might be on my phone or the TV or computer or in my office or reading a book. And, you know, I've been working at being more diligent to be more present by, you know, turning my phone off and doing specific things. But what are some ways that I and other people can really like just be more present because instead of my kids playing on the ground, well, what if I stopped my phone and I got on the ground with them and played, mm-hmm. you know, because to me, it's like, well, that, that doesn't seem like fun, but it would mean everything in the world to my kids. Right. Now. So the question is then what can we do? And go, it goes back again to being intentional. And my kids are now adults. Um, my youngest is now 19 and she's a sophomore in college. And I have a son who's 25 years old. And we had um, boundaries and rules. And again, what we say about being intentional, leadership is I'll go first. Love is I'll do it first. It's one thing to say, okay, I'm going to cut off my phone. I'm gonna, but there's nothing where you set the culture that whenever we, I was in the car with my kids, we would never turn on the radio. Never turn on the music. We would never use the cell phone. Now, we had them there, but you were not allowed to use. I started with my son when, as soon as he could start talking. My daughter is not my biological daughter, but I married her when, you know, when she was older. I married her mom when she was older. And, but I remember when I was dating her mom, she was in the car with me at six and I was taking her to school. And she had like a little tablet. And I told her, I said, Faith, baby, no, um, you know, we don't do that in the car because she's never been in the car with me alone before. She said, huh? 
I said, there's no tablet in the car. She said, can, can I use your, can I get on your phone? I said, no. She said, then, then, then what do I do? I said, we're going to just talk. And she says, about what? <laughs> right? I said, about anything you want to talk about. And then she says, the whole time <laughs> in the car, right? She says, school is like, it's like an hour away. It's not an hour. It's like 30 minutes. It's an hour away. No, because kids don't understand time. I said, no. And she was scared to death. But then she realized that when I get in the car with her, not only do we not use electronics, I don't do the talking. I ask all the questions. And you know that, Evan. That's what we do when you get a guest on your show. You ask them questions, and then they will run with it. And so that became the culture that I created in, our, in the car, that when we get in the car, no phones, no tablets, no music. Now, check this out. When I've gone on um, separate trips with my son and my daughter, the longest trip with my daughter was about, Six hours one way, six hours coming back the other way, 12 hours in the car. She's now 12 at this time, right? <laughs> now, you imagine a middle schooler and you tell her, no music, no phone. We're going to talk. Guess what? She didn't give me any pushback. And she was all excited. I can't wait. What are we going to talk about in the car for 12 hours? <laughs> right? She could, and I said, Faith, you're going to love it. And what we did is we talked. And I and I help guys with this about coming up with the questions. Evan, if you if you knew how easy it was to have conversations with people, you you would do more listening than talking. It is amazing the number of questions you can ask, especially kids, and they always got something to say. And so you have to create that culture of intentionality. My son, um, the last year we went on, he was like 20, went down to Florida to me. Kid kid had to be probably about 22, 23 years old. Now he's a young adult. And it was a 14-hour trip, round trip. Still, he's an adult. No phone, no music. Now, you think he's grown. Dad, you can't tell me what to do. I'm a grown man. I got bills. You know, you can't tell me I can't. He didn't even think about getting on his phone. Didn't even think about listening to music. All we did is talk. So how do you be present? Don't just say, okay, I'm going to tap my phone up. No, make it expected that when we get into proximity with each other, we are fully present in each other's company. We are listening. And I give you another example about being intentional. Like I have a, and when my daughter's younger, we had date days and I have a date day with her mom. And, and I have time with my son for lunch. Whenever I'm on a, um, a, a date with them, whether it be my son, my daughter, or my wife, nobody can reach me, including them. So if I'm with my daughter and we usually, our date days used to go from 12 to five, guess what my wife would try to do, Evan? Call us. And guess what would happen? We don't answer the phone. And my daughter, Faith, would say, Daddy, is mommy calling? I said, don't you answer that phone. She said, but Daddy, it could be important. I said, if your mom doesn't text 911, don't pick up. And I said, I said, Faith, when I'm on a date with your mom, can you reach us if it's not an emergency? She said, no, Daddy. I said, and guess what? I'm with you, so it's all me and you. You see the culture, Evan, what I'm talking about? And so my wife didn't get mad when we get home. Why didn't you pick up the phone? I said, Tanya, why did you call? You know when I'm with Faith. It's just, I know, but I thought I wanted to share something with you guys. Wait till I get home. It's so me and my daughter. So for people that aren't in that habit, such as myself, mm-hmm. what are some things that we can do to get in that habit? Like, so my son and I have- Start some- today. Start to just start. <laughs> just start. You got to start. What's that, what's that um, old adage? You say, um, the journey of 10,000 miles to or what? 
the first step. step. Yeah. One step. You take this. So uh, are you not going to see your kids anymore? <laughs> Is it a, the right. next time you see your kids, start setting the boundaries. You know what? Daddy's been thinking that, you know what? I want to be totally focused and engaged. Now, you don't even have to tell them. But you could all say, you know what? We're going to have some new rules in the car, new rules at home, new rules, whatever. Like another good example, when I'm watching television and my daughter or somebody walks in the room. Now, I don't like it, Evan. <laughs> but when they do, guess what I do now? They can see the look of my face. <sighs> Click. <laughs> I stop it. <laughs> Are you following me? I put on pause. Now, I'm upset because you know I'm going to give you my full attention. And I was really enjoying this show, but because you're more important to me, I'm going to stop this. Please let it be important. What is it, Faith? <laughs> Tell you what is. I know you're watching your game. Not now, because I just stopped it because you walked into the room. That's the culture. Yeah. You can start there. Daddy, like, imagine your kid walking through. Daddy, why'd you cut this? Why'd you cut off the TV? Oh, new rule. That when someone walks around and we're talking, the TV goes off or we put it on pause or mute. Start today. That's it. Let's go to marriage. Mm -hmm. What are some of the mindsets and habits that we can instill in a struggling marriage that will help it go from one that has hurt and bitterness and resentment to one that's full of grace, love, patience, quality time. Because a lot of times when people have struggling marriages, they don't want to spend time together. It's hard for them to come into agreement on things. And while I'm not in this specific area of my life, I was, you know, six years ago, seven years ago where we were struggling. And so to come and be like, Hey, wife, we're going to do things differently. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. So how are some ways that we can lead first and change the culture of a marriage? Dang, Evan, dude, <laughs> dropping a heavy question on me, man. <laughs> but I would say it goes back to what we're saying about leadership. Uh, love is saying I'll go first. And this is not just in marriage, what I'm sharing with you. So I don't want people to just say, well, but I'm not married. I don't have to listen to this. No, this is also when you're trying to repair broken relationships with your children, too. Um, now I haven't applied it to work, <laughs> to work with employees and coworkers, but definitely with your spouse or with your children in any relationship that's close and personal to you. Love is saying, I'll go first. And it starts with humility mm-hmm. and humility. We're talking about evidence that you have to, first of all, you got to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Something is wrong, but here's the difference. Humility is saying, I know something is wrong, but I'm going to take full responsibility for my part in it. And so, Evan, let's say, for instance, you were, um, well, 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 we'll use you, we'll use you, even though yeah, you're a male, we're going to use you as my son or something. And I've taught a lot of parents how to do this, but it works the same way in a marriage. It's, it's taking ownership. And the only reason I'm using you as a male, because I see you right now. Yeah. And I would say, Evan, son, can I have a, can I talk to you? Now, the timing is important. I can't do it when you're overly emotional, when you're too high or you're too low. I got to do it when you're kind of like just at even keel, you know, maybe you just got a shower and you're just going to get a snack to eat or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no, you're not mad at me. We may not be close, but you're not mad and angry. And I said, Evan, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. Yeah. Dad, what, what's going on? And if it was your wife, you just say, honey, 
Um, I got to tell you, um, I've really been asking God to search my heart when it comes to our relationship. And I'm recognizing and realizing that I've done a lot of things wrong, or I could have done a lot of things better. Now, notice, Evan, I'm not talking about what you've done to me. Right. But what I've done that God has revealed to me that um, I need to, to deal with. And I, and I feel so clueless sometimes, Evan, because I want to love you better, but I don't always know how to. All this is humility, Evan. I want to, but I don't know how to. And I was wondering if you could help me, help me. And what I mean, Evan, by helping me is just to be honest with me, without judgment or anything, I just need to know the truth. Evan, based on our relationship, what have I done, whether in the past or recently, that has caused you to be angry with me? that really is hard in your heart towards me. What have I done that really has made you angry? That has bothered you? That just furious. And I'm hoping, Evan, as that I ask you, you'll be honest with me. Now, when I'm dealing with children, sometimes children, because they, they're afraid of the authority figure, they will probably lie or say, well, Dad, I'm not angry with you. Well, what things have I done that could have made you angry? Yeah. Now, if you're asking your wife, she's going to tell you the truth. You want to know? I'll tell you well, what, what you did. <laughs> here's the other thing, too, that you're saying, and this is popping into my mind, mm-hmm. is then when they tell us, we can't get defensive. There you go. There you go, Evan. That's the point. When you stay humble, you can't like, because she may say something that is totally irrational. Because right. you may be thinking in your head, why would that make you angry? You just can't say it. Yeah. You can't even express it on your face. You can't give her that look like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> no, you got you to shake and nod your head. Okay, wow, I didn't know you felt that way. Wow. And if you have, and sometimes you might you want to write it down if you need to remember. And do it in front of her so she knows you're serious. But you're absolutely right, Evan. You can't get defensive and try to protect yourself from her answer. You got to receive it. You got to receive it. Now, I don't know um, what the faith is of the people who listen to your show, but everybody knows that Jesus actually was real and Jesus was crucified on the cross. Was Jesus on the cross like this? They can't see me protecting himself. Arms closed, crossed. No, his arms wasn't crossed in front of him. They were stretched out wide. And do you know that's the most vulnerable position any person could ever put themselves in? Yeah. Because, you know, as a dude, we don't want to go up to, we don't go to fight and put our hands open like this. Somebody might kick us in the balls. <laughs> you, <know what> I mean? <laughs> you want to protect ourselves. Oh. But no, when it comes to the people you love, you got to have your arms stretched out wide. You got to be willing to take the, guess what? The cuts and the bruises. And it's going to hurt. But guess what? You're going to heal. And you're going to help heal that relationship. So I would go through that asking about anger. What have, what have I done to make you angry? Then I want to know this. What have I done to make you afraid of me, Evan? That caused fear and doubt in your heart. What have I done to make you afraid? Now, if you're dealing with dudes, man, I know I wasn't afraid. I know, but what did I do that almost made you afraid? That could have made you afraid of me, afraid to open up and tell me the truth. Are you following me? Yeah. You want to know what the fear is because usually that stops relationships when there's no trust because there's fear there. There's no trust. And so 
what did I do that, what have I done in the past, presently, recently, that's made you afraid to come to me, to talk to me, to open up to me, to confess, to share? And then the third thing I want to know, we got anger, we got fear. And Evan, what have I done in the past or recently, or that maybe I'm continuing to do that hurts you? It makes you sad. It breaks your heart. And I don't know, it's hurting you like that. And man, as they're telling you this, now this is not going to be a quick conversation. Sometimes you might even want to break it up that maybe I'm only going to talk to Evan today about anger. And maybe next week I'll talk to him about fear. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> and then hurt. Or you could do it in one long conversation that could go two or three hours, depending on how much they got to share. But as they're sharing this, as you said, Evan, don't get defensive. You receive it. And then you make sure you're understanding what they're saying. So let me get this right, Evan. You're saying that when I tease you about the way you dress, that that really hurts you when I do that. Evan, thanks for sharing. I had no idea. Now, here's the key to all of that. It's one thing to get all this information. But what are you going to do with it once you get it? Now, watch what I do, Evan. Now, Evan, um, thank you for sharing that with me. I had no idea I was doing it. I didn't, I didn't know I made you angry that way. When I do that, it makes you angry. I didn't know when I do that, it gets you, makes you afraid of me to come to me about anything. I didn't know when I do that, that it's crushing your spirit and making you hurt like that. Man, I am so sorry. Please forgive me for that, Evan. For, for that, Evan. I, I didn't know I was doing that. I didn't know it was hurting you that way. And Evan, could I ask you to do me a favor? Because I know that I'm uh, I'm not perfect, but I don't want to hurt you in ways like that. I don't want you to make you afraid of me like that. I don't want to anger you like that. If I ever do that again, when I do, because more than likely I probably will, but it won't be intentionally, Evan. When I do, would you do me a favor and tell me I'm doing it? Would you do that for me, Evan? And then when they say, now the knee-jerk reaction to Evan is going to be, yeah, I'll do it. Will you promise me that you do that, Evan? Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll do it. I know, but I need to hear you promise me. Will you, when I'm doing that to you, will you promise me you'll tell me? Yeah, Joe, I promise. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate that. And then yeah. you just start loving them. And one of the things that, that through this process too, so like this really reminds me of a theory I came up with I don't know, early in my marriage, I was very critical of my wife. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, my father was critical of me and that was just my language. You know, that was how I spoke like, Hey, you know, this is how you wash a plate, not right. like this. This is how you clean, or this is how you should communicate, or this is how you should, you know, it's it for me, it came out of a place of wanting to teach Right. But it was kind of like a critical spirit and it wasn't received well. And I sewed that into her for years and years. And so it built resentment, it built anger and frustration and hurt. And then there'd be, you know, just love and respect, you know, the crazy cycle. And, you know, one of the things that really, I don't know, helped me and help us turn the ship around and granted, you know, like this isn't my wife's issue. Like it's a marital issue. So what I realized is like, I've spent so much time hurting my wife without realizing it that to protect herself, she has an envisionary sword in front of her that she's holding out. Mm -hmm. It's her defensive mechanism. And if I want to be able to love my wife and to hold her and for us to have healing in our marriage, because I've 
hurt her so much and she has a defensive area weapon sword in front of her, at this point, I'm going to have to allow myself to be ran through to, right. to, in order to be able to embrace her and for us to have healing. Yeah, because you'll live. I have to take a lot of crow. I have to, I have to mm-hmm. take a lot of stuff. And even, even if there's things that aren't from me, right. I will have to take and not respond and not be in defense and not be in um, anger or frustration so that healing can happen. And going into changing and growing and fixing the marriage of like, okay, in order for this to take place, there's going to have to be hurt that I'm going to have to just be willing to accept without reacting. And I feel like it took me years to realize like, you know what? Marriage is difficult, but I can't expect that. How can I put this? There's no perfect marriage. Mm -hmm. And if my wife says or does something that hurts me, I have to be willing to accept that without responding, which will create a bigger issue because in three or four hours, she'll come around and apologize. And the same goes for her where Mm -hmm. I say something, she won't respond. Mm-hmm. And then in a few hours or immediately, I will, right. I will ask for forgiveness. And it's learning how to, to take hurt without giving offense. And then when that other person realizes what just happened, it, it becomes a better cycle than getting in this angry, upset, frustration cycle. And right. Am I making sense? No, you're making perfect sense, making perfect sense. And a lot of times, because we're as human nature is to self-preserve, um, is to survive. That's our, our nature, to protect ourselves. But when Jesus came, he taught something different. He says, not by preserving yourself, but, but it's about sacrificing yourself yeah. for others. And we know we can't do that with everybody. Because everybody's not going to um, respond the right way. But we at least to start with the people who we know we love the most. Um, I I can't example. This is a crazy one. (laughs) You're like, nobody's going to. I can't believe you got anybody in your ministry. (laughs) This is what I tell when when guys um, set up calls with me and they'll talk about their wives. And they'll tell me everything, Evan, that's wrong with their wife. Oh, she's not doing this, right? She's not doing that. You said it before about, man, you didn't know it was being critical. Um, but we, you heard the saying that they say rules without relationship brings rebellion. And we usually apply that to kids. But guess what? Rules without relationship applied in our marriage brings resentment. Yeah. And because nobody wants to be corrected all the time. But they don't mind being corrected if there's a relationship established of love, a foundation. But getting back to what I was telling you about telling men, they'll, they'll complain about their wives and tell me, give me a laundry list of all the things that's wrong with their wives. And I'll just take it and I'll say, yeah, mm-hmm, okay, wow, she's horrible. You know, and man, she's doing that. She's doing what? Wow. And then when they're done, I say, there's nothing else. That, is that all? Is that everything? Because that's some hard stuff. I said, you sure you got everything out? And they'll say, no, that's about it. And that's there's a list about 10 things. I said, okay, now, Evan, that's great. So I got this, man, that is horrible. I agree with you, man. No husband should have put up with that kind of stuff. Man. So we're going to do, we're going to pray together, Evan, and we're going to pray that um, your wife goes to hell. 
you ready? Let's go pray. Let's pray. <laughs> right? And they're like, say, what? I said, we're going to pray that you're right. Because an evil person like that needs to be stopped. We can't afford for her to hurt other people like that, Evan. So let's come into agreement and let's pray that God takes her out with a truck or something. And let's stop her because we're doing the world a lot of good if we can stop this evil. Right. And they get really quiet. <laughs> and it's like, I said, why are you so quiet? They said, Joe, you know, I'm not doing that. I say, so let me get this right. This woman who's done all these things, she's not as bad as you say she is then. Because if she's that evil, she needs to be stopped. So reason why I'm telling you that crazy example of why you won't do that, because you're fighting the wrong enemy. Yeah. She's not the enemy. Your emotions are just getting involved in it. Like you said, Evan, you're not willing to take the sword. The real enemy is what's driving her in the stuff she's believing about her marriage, about you, about you, about relationship. She's now she's not seeing the love you have for her. She's not feeling the love. She doesn't feel emotionally connected to you. So she's acting and reacting and overreacting based on what's influencing her to act that way to defend and protect herself. Yeah. She's not trying to hurt you. She's trying to protect herself mm-hmm. and is hurting you. So let's, let's not make her the enemy. Let's now deal with what's causing the hurt for her to react that way. And I said, does that make sense? They said, yeah, man, that makes sense. I said, so I said, do me a favor. Never give anybody a laundry list on what's wrong with your wife. Because when it comes down to it, you chose her. So that, if anything, that shows you a bad picker. <laughs> so let's, let's focus on dealing with the real problem, which is what's causing her to hurt. Man, so good. I want to ask this one last question here. Mm-hmm. Because we've been talking about intention. Intention in yeah. family, intention in marriage. What would be the first few steps of developing a mindset of intention? Well, I would start with what I start with all our guys with. And it's so funny. I, I was telling you that when I came on to do your show, that I was a little bit running behind because I was doing a coaching session. And I just shared this with another guy um, who was trying to, he wants heart transformation. And he says, Dr. Joe, uh, where do I start with this heart transformation? And to me, that's the same question you're asking. How do you yes. be intentional about it? And to me, I told him, I said, now, I said, I would start with identity. Mm-hmm. I say identity. And I'm going to show you the example I gave him with his own wife, right? I said, I will start with identity, knowing who you are, separate from what you do, separate from what you've done, separate from where you came from, separate from how much you make, separate from what people think of you, the kind of home environment you grew up in, all this other stuff. Know who you are in Christ, your God-given identity, who he says you are. Not what you think, even though that's a powerful thing, but I want you to put your mind on what he says about you. I say, here's why, because that's the first step. Because once you know who you are, then you're going to fall more in love with him and you're going to have intimacy with him. And you're going to draw closer to him. That's the next step is intimacy, true intimacy. 
And Evan, I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going to show you how it relates to a practical relationship. He got it immediately when I told him. I said, then you have intimacy. And once you know who you are in Christ, who God says you are, you're going to fall in love with God. And when you fall in love with God, then you can go on to step three, which is now you're going to receive your authority over the stuff that you're struggling with. Because you're going to know that, man, you're going to start thinking, wow, I have, I can do something about this. I'm not helpless. I'm not hopeless. I'm not worthless. I have power because God has given me the power over this temptation, over this problem, over this struggle, over this negativity. I have the power. No, I can't choose what happens to me, but I can always choose how I respond to everything. So now I have the authority to do that. So I said, does that make sense? He said, yes. Yeah. And let's make it more practical. I said, your wife. I said, when you met your wife, when let's say before you met your wife, you saw her from afar and you said, wow. That's, I said, this is why I think the order works. I said, when you saw her, you say, man, that is, wow, that is one beautiful woman. Evan, we all say that about our wives. When we first, that is a freaking beautiful woman. I got to know who she is, right? Now, you didn't know anything about her. You just know you like what you saw. You approached her. And when you got to meet her, you found out who she was, her identity. Once you found out who she was, because first you were just attracted by what you saw. But when you found out who she was, guess what, Evan? You fell in love with her. Yeah. Because you knew who she was. Oh, I'm about to get, man, because everybody can relate to this. You knew her heart. And you knew about it and said, man, I'm falling in love with this woman. So now this intimacy from the identity came the intimacy. And you became close to her and you married this woman because you wanted to be spend the rest of your life with her. And when you put a ring on that finger and had a covenant with her, oh, guess what she gave you, Evan? Authority over her body. And said, I won't give this to any man. But you, I'm going to make myself vulnerable to you. Only you can get me to do things with my body that no other man could ever do. She gave you authority. You didn't have that authority when you just saw her from afar. Right. You just got to meet her. And when you got to meet her, you fell in love with her. And when you fell in love with her, she gave you authority. Oh, my goodness. And we have no right to abuse that authority. That's called rape. But when she gives you permission, she says, I'm giving you my heart and authority. Please don't abuse this. That's when relationships break up because we've abused authority because we didn't have the intimacy because we didn't know who she was. So I would start with that. And I think they were all falling into place, but it starts with identity. Does that make sense, Evan? Yeah. What you just said was so profound, not just in our example with Christ, but even in my marriage, like I'm thinking about how, you know, my physical relationship with my spouse, you know, one of the things that she consistently asks for is, hey, hold my hand more, do this more, do that. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, we struggle in the area of like, okay, finding time to physically be with one another because we have three kids. We both work full time. Like it's, you know, it's hard to find time for one another. Mm -hmm. And so me being the guy, it's like, Hey, we got 30 minutes. Let's do it. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> but, but then, but wait, I, intimacy. And I'm like, yeah. we don't have time for intimacy. Let's just go we got time. <laughs> and, but I've noticed that I've created that void. Mm. But what I realize as you're talking is like, yeah, she has given me authority over her body, mm-hmm. but it's only because it came out of love and intimacy. Right. And it's hard for any woman to give that authority or that position of, of you can have my body. If you take out the intimacy part, you take out the intimacy, there's no intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think when we get that, yeah. And every wife wants us to get that. And I started tearing up because, um, cause we don't always see it, Evan. Cause all we know is we love them. We love them. But we don't, we're thinking, wow, they're so doggone needy. No, what they're, they're not, what they're needing is intimacy. But they say, you know me. You know me. When we dated, you, you knew my heart. I told you about me. You learned me. You knew who I was and you knew what we were together. All right, I'm going to ask I, a follow-up question here. Yeah. So both in Christianity and our relationship with God and our spouses, how how do we, it starts with identity and then you said it goes into intimacy, but how do we create the intimacy? I think that, that the intimacy actually comes out of the actually knowing when you know them and know how much they love you, you love them even more. So I think it's not something you have to manufacture. It comes out of our response to knowing, like, let's use God as an example. Cause I mean, I love quiet time with God. And I love intimacy, having intimacy with God. Think about this. When God made Adam and Eve, first of all, he made Adam first, right? And we always think that, man, he says, it's not good for man to be alone, so I'll make a a, a helper suitable for him, not a replacement for God. We always think the first relationship Adam had was with Eve. It wasn't. The first relationship Adam had was with God. And so when I'm having a relationship, when I know who God is, and what God thinks of me, and I know who I am in him, and I don't have to perform, I don't have to get him, I don't have to fear him rejecting me, um, I don't have to think that he's going to condemn me and judge me, and that man, he bring, he receives me like a little naked baby with poop and diapers and all of that, and he says it climbs up into his lap, and I know who he is. Come on, Evan, I'm falling in love with that. Because... I could go to God with a soiled diaper with scars and bloody and messy. And he still come to me. I can't go do that with other people. They're like, Oh, you stink. Oh, you don't look right. Oh, you smell. Uh." God says, come. Think about Jesus, how he received. They got mad at Jesus because he would go into the lepers. Do you know why Mary Magdalene loved Jesus so much? Because Jesus received her the way she was. And she got to know who Jesus was. And Jesus got to know her. And, and guess what came out of that? Intimacy. 
that Jesus, even while your disciples who you chose will abandon you, I'm not going anywhere because you never turned me away. I want to be in your presence. So I think the intimacy comes out of knowing who they are and accepting them for who they are. Out of that, it's intimacy. Think about the people you trust the most are the ones who are most accepting of you. Yeah. And the more accepting they are you, the more you open up to them. Intimacy. Think about the word intimacy. Intimacy. Into me. Into me. See. It comes when we're not afraid to be naked. Intimacy develops. But you can't develop that intimacy unless you know who they are and they know who you are totally. That's with honesty and authenticity. If you're if we're lying to our wives about who we are and what we're struggling with, there'll never be intimacy. Yeah. Think about it. You can't have intimacy based on a lie. It only be based on the truth. And what did Jesus say? He is the truth, the way and the life. The truth, the way and the life. Man, I just want truth. Right. And when Jesus even um, challenged Peter after he had had some tough teaching and all the people started leaving and Jesus looked at Peter and said, aren't you going to leave too? And what did Peter tell him? No. Where else could we go? You're the truth. Yeah. Where else could I go? You have the key to eternal life. Even if I wanted to, I can't leave you. Because where am I going to find this kind of truth? And when our wives, when we have that kind of relationship, guess what? There's always going to be intimacy when there's truth and honesty and integrity and authenticity and transparency, any of the C's. <laughs> when there's that intimacy comes with it naturally. And then out of that naturally comes out, I'm going to give you more rights to do what you want to do with me and for me and trust you even more. So intimacy comes out of knowing who they are, knowing their heart and them knowing your heart. But if you don't let them know you, you don't get to know them, they're never going to be intimacy. Which is why it's so dangerous to, with us humans, to give people authority with our body when right. we get identity. With no identity. We don't know these people. They don't know us. They don't really know us. They haven't been vulnerable with us. And then that's why we feel the regret later. Because you're thinking, I don't even, I didn't know they had a sexually transmitted disease. I didn't know how many partners they had before me. I didn't know that they just wanted me for my body. I didn't know. Because they, we didn't, they didn't know us and we didn't know them, but we gave them authority over our bodies. And we had what we call false intimacy, pornography, false intimacy, relationship without any responsibility. That's all pornography is. Fornication, relationship without responsibility. I can sleep with you, but I don't have to listen to you. I'm not married to you. I don't have to take care of you. We, that's false intimacy. True intimacy is that, guess what? We are joined. We are one with each other. Now, I know the guy's going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but I know this time, you know, now, now you don't, I don't know that listeners don't know my past. I was a porn addict and sex addict, so yeah. I couldn't get enough sex, okay? Well, I was now, a sex I, addict, but I was a porn addict. Yeah, but I mean, I was full blown. I was in recovery for seven years, dude. And when I didn't think anyone would ever want me again because I was a serial adulterer. All right. But when I got married to my wife, who's my current wife now, you would think, boy, man, and my wife's a personal fitness trainer. I can't get enough. Right. But there's times when we haven't been on one accord 
And she would say, don't you want to have sex? You talk to a sex addict now. I said, oh yeah, I want to, but I don't think I should. And she says, well, why not? I said, because if we're going to have sex, I want to be intimate with my wife. I don't want just to have a release. And I tell Tanya, I say, Tanya, now you know me, everything in my body just wants to just jump on you. <laughs> you see what I mean? But don't you want me to be present? And to my wife's credit, she even recognizes, no, I don't want you to be with me unless you're going to be fully with me. I say, because Tanya, if I have sex with you without the intimacy, it's no different than the women I slept with prior to you and all those other women. There was no connection. It was just a physical release. But when we're intimate together, even what we think is the worst sex is the best sex because we're losing ourselves in each other. That's why I think sex and marriage is the greatest thing in the world Yeah, because you're not trying to perform. You're just enjoying each other. You're losing yourself with each other. So guess what? There is no standard. It's just fulfillment and enjoyment. And to my wife's credit, she says, wow, you didn't have to tell me that you could have just had sex with me. I said, yeah. But in order to build intimacy, I got to be honest with you. And I want you to know that when you have me, you have all of me. Not just the part that wants to get his rocks off. Are you following? That's why I get I get emotional when I talk about this, because I didn't know I didn't know that in my first marriage. Now I understand it in my second marriage and realize that, wow, sex without intimacy. Is empty. Is nothing. And that's what I want her to be in the mood for. Nothing. If she, I don't want to have sex. I don't want her to have sex with me unless she's going to be fully in. No matter how bad I want sex. I want to, I want us to become one and lose each other in, in our lovemaking. Yeah. I, I don't want that old life, Evan, that I used to have of bouncing around from bed to bed to woman to woman. I don't want that anymore. It cost me too much, number one. And it was unfulfilling. It only brought shame and guilt later. It felt good at the moment. But guess what? A good thing never brings shame and guilt afterwards. Right. If anything, you say, man, that was the most fulfilling thing. I mean, you know, when the sex is right, you think, I don't think I can ever have sex again. That was too great. But that's what true intimacy is about. And we probably now will have got rid of the PG rating on your podcast now. (laughs) It works. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on today and just, sharing your heart and your life with us. Where can people follow you? Oh man, all they got to do is go to Real Men Connect because that's what real men do. They connect, Evan. Realmenconnect.com. And on that website, they can find anything from finding us on social media to even find out about how they can be part of our community. We have something called the Real Men 300 that if they want to do life with us and the guys in our community, they just need to click on the Real Men 300. But realmenconnect.com, everything they want and everything they need could be found there. And we even got some free gifts waiting just for going to our website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on to our show today and I hope you have a great day. Oh, you too. Thank you. Take care.